a guest premiere where we talk to guests on the Unsanctioned System podcast, which is something we've never done before. Um, I just want to start with a little bit of news. If, do, do you mind if I talk about a few things before we get into yeah, please, the, please. the main line here? Okay. So it's kind of been a day for um, governance, AI and cyber, cyber governance. Um, so today there was a news item that came out from the U.S. Department of State. There's a new bureau, the establishment of the Bureau of Cyberspace and Digital Policy. So that means that wheels are beginning to move. And that means that they're taking a much closer look at things like artificial intelligence and how it's regulated. Um, on the 11th, there was news that they're going to do intensive study and NIST is going to look into further evaluations of things like Twitter's algorithms for biometrics and how that that's processed and interpreted. So one of the sticky issues with uh, AI now bias is a relative term. It really is. Bias can be political bias. It can be uh, manufactured bias. It can be, um, bias against race, against gender, you know, your typical, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, set cash of uh, compliance, um, that block of, of text, whatever that is. Um, and each, each company is kind of trying to sort the DEI piece out. So they've manufactured algorithms to kind of do the compliance to kind of make things more fair. And unfortunately it's become less fair because it's been discovered over time that people know how to game the algorithm and the algorithms are designed to take down content that is offensive or racist or uh, hateful, that sort of thing. And which is a good thing. That's, that's like, you know, getting hate out of the way is, typically considered a, a, a good thing. But when it's determined by uh, user interaction or user interface, so somebody can manufacture a code or uh, a campaign around um, jabbing something that's, that's inoffensive or non-discriminatory, non and then it will become or look like it is discriminatory to the system. And then the system will shut it down. And then the content has to go to some internal bureaucratic review process where if they're, say, shadow banned or something, um, then the administrators have to kind of wake up because they've been letting AI do all of this. They go and look at what's there and said, you know, ah, oh, is this hateful? I don't know. Let's ask the leftists we hired to, to figure it out. Or, uh, you know, you know, is, is this hateful? Is this hate? Should we talk to the person that got banned? You know, and, and so it's kind of the, the policies are kind of scattered all over the place. There's no uniform reason. And it is being used to, to censor people, you know, on but there are campaigns developed by people with political aims to take down certain opponents, take down certain voices that they don't like. 
And each side, if they know what they're doing, they can game the algorithm to take down people. So I've never liked this. You know, it's, it's a known issue. Um, there's definitely sources that uh, were provided to, to Swiss before the show um, that prove that this is a known issue and people are working on it. So some of the known issues with AI and extractive technology, according to Humane Tech, is that there's human rights abuses, exploitation and attacks, and systemic bias at scale. There's an erosion of democracy, you know, like little d democracy where people vote and do things by elective choice, not this reinvention of democracy so that it has applications of hard power and authoritarianism. That's not democracy. Polarization, like it, you know, it further flings people away to the other corners of one another because things are misinterpreted. So that's mis and disinformation, deliberately creating um, wedgy issues over things that typically are non-controversial. Um, loss of sense-making, degraded mental, which leads to degraded mental health, by the way, and tech addiction. So those are the known harms that we're all dealing with. And AI should be helping us, but it just seems to be making it a little bit worse. So there is government. So there's this declaration by the Committee of Ministers on the risk of a computer-assisted or artificial intelligence-enabled decision-making in the field of the social safety net. This is really important because when you delegate something so important like a social safety net where people go get their money, um, they need security protections, which crypto could help with, and they need privacy, which is something crypto could help with. And they also need shield because I have seen through COVID, COVID is a great case study for what happens when you've got the masses pushed into an internet, internet infrastructure. They're forced to rely on government machines and government administrative vessels for their money. And it's not protected. And it's not a secure system and someone robs us. And that, that someone at this point was China. They were waiting with black market operatives to go get all of the money from the unemployment people in our agencies. And it, we weren't the only ones who were hit this way in the West. So I felt like, if this COVID was some sort of well-thought-out biological attack, it's not being couched as such, but I think at some point we're going to have to give it a treatment after we come out of this relative freeze. Because these are the types of things that happen when you force people into that social safety net. You know, make them rely on your government for money and then... You know, they do or don't get their money because someone robbed them. Or worse, somebody picks up a, a way to hack the system so that only certain people get their money, which did happen also. You know, just a certain segment, like a certain percentage of people got their money and everyone else had to just wait and wait 
and wait and wait and wait on Godot. Some people starved. You know, I saw lines that wrapped around the block, people in their cars who couldn't work, uh, getting boxes of food from, from donation societies and food banks. This is something I'd never seen before in my entire life in, in a suburban neighborhood. So these are the types of things that happen. It happens in refugee camps. And we have to avoid these things. So I, I really do think, you know, if you were a sanctioned citizen, which is totally clearly something that can happen, uh, if you rely on AI or automated systems exclusively from the internet, uh, then then here comes CryptoPaths solutions. Mr. Swift, can I ask you to jump in? You know, what do you yeah, think totally. so, could, could happen? What, what should we do about this? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, I think. Yeah, <laughs> just on the, the point. <laughs> well, the point that you were just making around the infrastructure, I think is really important because what I think about is if you didn't have a bank account or if you filed, maybe you filed your taxes in the mail, like you actually mailed your forms instead of an electronic submission, mm-hmm. like most of us who maybe use TurboTax or something like that. It's yeah. it's a very common software. It's all electronic and you do everything electronically. Well, if you don't have a bank account and you maybe are paying taxes in the mail, you you had to wait for your your stimulus money, right? A lot, lot, lot longer than those who maybe had a bank account. And so for all those people who are out of work, out of money, literally starving and whatnot, um, there's bias against you just because you're not participating in the infrastructure, the, the government's yes. infrastructure. Yeah. So I think that's one area where crypto could help. But to be honest, if you aren't even in the banking system, you're probably not technically savvy enough to also be participating in crypto at this time. So that could change. Um, There are tools and there's this, I would say, utopian type of vision of crypto being a saving grace for like equal access to financial infrastructure. They're not there yet, but it could happen. And that's one thing that it could help if if some of this payment in this. If if there was some sort of electronic payment through the crypto systems that, that could help. But again, you can still get biased you can still get biased out, um, especially if the governments are, are running that infrastructure or, or if right. they're the ones facilitating the payments out. Right. Right. If they're also, they, there was an election during COVID, a couple actually, and people wanted to participate in elections and they were being driven into ballot formation you know, like, like mail it in instead of attending in person to, to drop their, um, their ballots. So electronic ballot systems are not necessarily the most secure, but that system that was developed during the mailing segment has had some complaints nationally because it wasn't as well established as, say, Washington State's mail-in system. They had always mailed in. People mailed in their ballots and that's the way it's been done. 
um, you know, it had more security around it, but it wasn't perfect. Um, so people, people's votes got lost. That's a democratic problem. Um, so I, I can think of like encryption helping with like a lot of these things, primarily privacy though, and security. What are some of the AI applications? Like if you were going to protect a system from say, um, an advanced threat attack, like they were deliberately paying the system so that it was rolling over to, to kind of turn down people who are say Uyghurs or Rohingya Muslims or something like that so that they could not talk, um, you know, flagging them as offensive, you know, what, what could crypto do to help with that? Yeah, that's a hard one. I was really trying to rack my brain on the censorship of free speech issue and how crypto can help. I struggled to come up with a lot of great examples other than how are you going to decide on what you want to opt into? So if you're using things like Instagram or Twitter, like it's all about what are you opting into to speak? And if you're not able to participate because you're banned from the top platforms like Twitter or Facebook or something, then that's, that's a real issue where all that centralized power is now prohibiting you from participating. And I don't know what the answer to that is other than simply saying, alternative networks and alternative applications that could be built on blockchain systems ah, would be open and decentralized. Yeah. Like it would be, it's all still a bit utopian because nobody has able to displace the power of the centralized platforms yet. And so the it's, it's still a huge onus on all these crypto people who say it's going to change the world and blockchain is going to make the world a better place. I am optimistic. I think our society will improve through this new technology, but I'm, I'm not sitting here evangelizing it to the point of saying like all our problems are going to go away because of it. But (laughs) I think, I think like decentralized systems where users are able to opt in and opt out based on their, their thoughts and beliefs on, on things like free speech and how you're governed. I think mm-hmm. those will be very powerful. It's, it's like a little bit of a wishy-washy statement, but they're really, you have to have a new system. Um, if, if Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all of the discovery tabs and the way that you are appearing in people's feeds are controlled by the centralized developers of AI and algorithms. Mm-hmm. This this isn't a problem that's going to go away, I don't think. Well, I mean, one of the things that I, I've been around as long as the internet's been around, so I'll just say that. That makes me old, fine. But the the spirit of, of uh, software and internet development at the beginning was to, to kind of build it and say, screw you, I'm going to build it. It was really creative. And so people would just build things. And they didn't they didn't go into someone else's cloud system and you know they, they really had an intention of, you know, getting their own servers and getting their own server farms and, and their own data setters. They didn't want to like, you know, huddle underneath the Azure umbrella. And they didn't want to 
to, you know, rely on Big Papa Amazon to like handle it all, you know, at AWS. You know, they were really kind of grunting it out as as pioneers building their own infrastructure, uh, their and their own cloud infrastructure, if you will. And so I think that the governance surge really needs to address that. Um, I'm a fan. I, I'm a recent convert of making cloud and residence-based housing for, for infrastructures more utility-like designated. Uh, not completely. It won't solve all of the problems by calling it a utility, but if it is regulated like a utility, um, then there will be better protections against, um, <clears throat> say, like, political attacks. You know, Amazon won't be able to just, you know, shut down the power of a small business who's, you know, th- that it, it, if, if the power company said, I don't like your politics, you get no service, uh, you can't do that. <laughs> we'll cut the power of your house. You know, nobody, nobody can do that, you know. So that's one of the reasons why people are, you know, they're afraid of such things. So they get, they go off grid, they get their own solar panels. They, they have generators, they have backup systems in order to protect themselves or insulate themselves from um, the slings and arrows of sanctions. (laughs) That's what we're really talking about. We're talking about sanctions and being, uh, you know, hold data sets of people who are suddenly put out because they were zeroed in on and, and, and made villain for something relatively small. Um, in this case, you know, okay, if you voted for Donald Trump, all right, that happened. I wasn't there. No one gave me a, a vote and you're voting. You know, I, I'm not the vote police, but there are apparently there are vote police at the big tech companies and I think that's obscene. Um, you know, why should there be voting police in democracy at AWS? That that doesn't make any sense to me at all. They're a technical company. You know, their whole business model is about technical governance. But, you know, now the CIA is involved and they're okay with knocking over our government. And that's been established. That's in the news. We all know about it. So that's how those systems suddenly become weaponized because the intelligence level are involved. So that's a problem. So making yourself secure and private from the intrusions of, say, a broad-based illegal CIA intrusion program targeting domestic Americans foreign agency targeting Americans. So how can Alter help us with private communication? Yeah, I wanted to touch on a couple of things there. So on the terms of AWS and Azure and Google Cloud and all of these different cloud systems, there are a tremendous number of projects that are starting to hit what I would call inflection points to really decentralize the internet. So you have a company called Acash, who's trying to be a decentralized version of AWS, where you basically just rent cloud computing power from somebody running nodes 
hardware, like a server in their in their closet or something. And then you have internet domain names running on Handshake, which are governed by the blockchain that that runs on. So oh, it's enforced cool. by that. And wow. it's really wow, cool. Yeah, Handshake is a really lesser known. But the one thing about Handshake I will say is that when you go to look at some of the domains that are being traded, so there's like a lot of speculation on the domain names because if you were to buy unsanctioned citizen dot handshake you own that forever until you sell it there's no renewal and so you truly own these domains that run on this this dns resolver and so there's a lot of speculation on the domains themselves at this time so it's it's super cool but like if you go on there and look at some of the domains that are are trading it's it's a little ugly. It's a little rough because there's there's some some rather obscene things that people are like making domain names out of. And well, just... I tried to make an obscene name out of guano, <laughs> which is <laughs> well, it's, it's bat it's bat feces. <laughs> yes, yes, that is that is like kindergarten child's play to some of the stuff that you will see <laughs> in terms of words. But my my friend, one of my co-hosts that I do the crypto chemistry podcast with often made the comment once on our show that innovation isn't pretty. And (laughs) I thought, I thought that was a really well way to well said way to put that, but it's still one of those things where if you get somewhat traditional types of people exploring Mm -hmm. this and then they go there to see these things on, you know, written, it's going to turn them off. Um, I mean, I'm talking about really, really, like obscene, obscene and oh and yeah. offensive it's like A-chan stuff it's so, rough yeah it is but it's pretty pioneers pioneers were nasty <laughs> they had rotten yeah. teeth and they didn't bathe very often so there you go yeah well said so there are <laughs> these things like uh these different storage file storage systems as well aside from just renting cpu power from from decentralized providers. So I'm optimistic. Like I'm optimistic that you could just combine these different things, a uh, decentralized DNS resolver, CPU power, storage power, and you can really have like a truly decentralized internet. But yeah. whether or not that replaces um, AWS and, and Azure and such, like those companies are good at what they do and they're very efficient. So they can offer pretty cheap prices, but hmm. we'll see. You know, okay. We'll, well, I mean, if if you could get your own kind of kind of your your own backup community, you know, you could really sell it to the off grid folks. I'm sure that there, there's a well, ready made market right there out of the box. <laughs> yeah, and some of these for you. <laughs> well, these new these new projects that are coming about are opting to host with these other crypto projects that are decentralized. So if they're running their own servers they have a tendency to choose someone like Acash over Amazon. And actually the prices right now aren't, aren't, they're actually better than AWS. I don't know how long that can last, but AWS is <laughs> probably more like convenient if I'm starting a software startup. I'm just not really sure. I haven't actually built on any of these. I, I've oh, okay. experimented a little bit with AWS, but I haven't built on Acash. But um, Alter, we'll be, we'll be integrating with Acash a little bit. 
and we're already using um, StoreJ, which is a file it's a file storage infrastructure on blockchain. But we'll be pivoting to to more and more of that over time as we kind of ramp up. But yeah, I okay. mean, just to, you you asked a little bit about Alter, so just to plug, we yeah, we run on the ahead. secret network. Yeah, we run on the secret network, and we have a chat tool. Previously, it was a very basic MVP product that was very reminiscent of email, but we just launched a chat feature last week. So now it looks a little bit more like Telegram, I guess. It's not completely looking like Telegram, but it's it's closer to it than it was, which okay. makes it a lot easier to use. So, okay, so that's, that's, that's pretty broad. I mean, it's got, it's got DM function. It's got some mail function. What are the other functions? With Alter. Yeah, that's pretty much what we got right now. But I can tell you that the user has control over the private keys. So you have a ID name. Think of it as like your login ID. You have your mm-hmm. password that you define. And then the, the private key is this long string of characters that, that you use. And so by giving the user the power to control the private keys, we really allow them to have complete control over this account. We have no ability to go in and parse their messages and see the content of the messages. Nobody actually can do that without having the private key. So if you want to destroy the ability to read your inbox, all you have to do is reset your private key. And you might wonder why would you want to do that? But if you are a persecute, you know, being persecuted or if you're, Oh yeah. If there's, if there's advanced yeah. persistent threat intrusion and they've been nested in your network, they're not doing anything right away, but they know how to get in your VPNs already, already like blown. Um, so they, they can get you, they can still get you. So you, you need to do, it's like hit the, hit the flame button. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the sky is falling, but like the breaking case of emergency break glass right. in case of and emergency you just stuff. Drop down one floor. You know, the earth rumbles and you're just still all right. You're all, you're in Yeah. And so that's, that's what we're talking about is just really giving a lot of trust with the user. And we're saying, look, this is a va- this is an advanced feature that most people, you know, you have to be careful. Don't accidentally mess up your, you know, don't accidentally reset your key. But if, you know, that's something you want to do, you can. And it's really just about trusting the user to act like an adult and act the way they want to act. Cause it's their keys. They pay for the account. It's a subscription model. So at the moment, it's really just quite an advanced tool. We're, we're working on some things to simplify it, but where do people go exciting. to get it? Yeah. So that's a great question. I think it's alter dot live. Alter.live. Alter, okay. Altermail.live. Sorry. Yeah, Altermail.live. Altermail.live. New product. I presume it's it's free to begin. And then when does the uh, subscription pay model kick in? No, it's actually from the start. So oh, from the it's, jump. Yep, there's no freemium here. It's one of those things, you know, if you're if it's free, you are the product. So at the moment, it's $25 a year. And... You get 10 gigs of storage. I have a couple of extra licenses to give away. So if people DM me or reach out to me somehow, it's a first come, first serve. So we, I started my own little giveaway on the Crypto Chemistry Show. 
That's awesome. Just to, yeah, yeah. So there's going to be another way to get access to. We're going to be doing a stake to access feature where if you delegate, and this is going to be some crypto speak, but if you are into proof of stake networks, you can you can just delegate some tokens to our validator and you're able to actually retain access to the platform. So um, some people might not know what that means, some, some will, but basically you can you can earn a percentage on your tokens by depositing it to our validator and you can withdraw that at any time too. So whenever you want to stop. That's not live yet though. That that access feature is not live yet. But Okay, it's I mean it's it's aspirational and that's that's the best thing we can hear. I mean, I want to hear about creative internet. I want us to go back to the place where internet was serving these 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 interesting arcane solutions to to social problems. Like we're going to build this over here and so it's it's really cool and people can use it and um, you know, people are still like that, but they're more interested in, you know, kind of getting the money from the data and, you know, that that's all surveillance based stuff. So, you know, people are just kind of, they just went for it. And yeah. That's not be, us. Re- it's you know, really, because that, huh. that opens you up to security problems, you know, that, yes. that really opens yes. you up to being spied on by a bad actor intercepting those messages or, just breaching the story makes you a honeypot for for yeah. china you know china you know when they get into a bad patch um they they monetize all data data is money people people are coins people are money that's why when your data goes over there they've got a, a false version of you that they use act as actual currency so to shut that entire Thing down because it's all driven by communism. Communism monetize, would monetize anyone. It's 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 serfdom. You know, people don't typically call communism serfdom, but that's basically what it is. You know, people are serfs. Uh, they they are in a kind of a new feudalism where they're treated as property. <laughs> Everyone owes the state, and everybody participates. They must labor, and their, their jobs are determined by by the government, you know, if you have a business, it's all determined by the government. If you're rich, it's all determined by the government. So that's why you have, you know, weird problems where, you know, corrupt Chinese data scientists are parking all of their, their largesse and say Vancouver, the Pacific Northwest, you know, and, and San Francisco and, and Seattle, they're, they're just buying up these large tracts of really expensive land to try to launder their money. And uh, that's a, that's an advanced problem, but you can, I can tell you that they're just trying to hide their money from the government because everything belongs to China and uh, hiding yourself from China is going to be kind of like one of the ways that you preserve your own personal sovereignty because these tech giants don't care. They're all involved. And the, one of the, problems or one of the corruption problems we actually have and then we should probably wrap this up pretty soon is that cia and congress have investments wrapped up and tangled up in in the technology sector the dod as an agency 
you know, is trying to sell fund, they got involved in, in the technology sector. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a transitive to doing business with China, but in a lot of cases, it has become exactly that, especially when they endorse the freemium model where they take surveillance and they make it go money. So that's, that's a short explainer. You know, I'll, I'll let you say something towards that and, and advocate for a different system. If you'd like, go ahead. Yeah. So the only thing I really need to say is why, why has China banned mining of crypto? Why are they hammering down so much on blockchain companies and projects and their citizens being able to, to participate? I think it speaks for itself coming off of what you just said, mm-hmm. right? The, yeah. the, the control and how everybody, they're, they're worried about capital flight. You know, they're worried about people getting their money out and having that freedom to, to do that. So, um, and then of course, just participate in, in open systems. So. Yeah. yeah. Having, having some independence from the state, some, some kind of, uh, some some way to to shield themselves and the things that they they have built the infrastructure that they have worked really hard for and earned in their lives, you know. Some because there will be crypto banks at some point. I mean, right now it's it's coins and bit miners and and it's still pretty complicated. I can tell you, I've been a fan of cryptocurrencies for a long time, but never engaged because. There hasn't just been, it, it's more user-friendly. I probably could get involved now. Um, but the crypto bank is really the last bastion. That's that's where it's going to become completely democratized. We, we got a ways to go. But um, Mr. Swiss, thank you so much for joining us on, on Unsectioned Citizen. You know, we're not supposed to be a long show. <laughs> it's kind of a medium short form show. Um, we'll get the intro and the outro fixed, but I really appreciate you coming on. Do you want to come on again sometime later in the future? That would be great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank, thank you for guys for listening.